Hi, it's Tony Chapman. I'm the host of the platform Chatter That Matters. Whether it's a podcast, a video, or a post, I cut through the chaos and confusion to focus on what matters most to your life, your livelihood, community, and the planet. And thanks to the incredible support of RBC, I had an opportunity to produce a 10-episode series titled Small Business Matters. In each one, I personalize the story of a small business owner so that we can take their challenges personally. I then matched them up with three thought leaders to help that owner get to where they need and deserve to go. I now understand what the term labor of love means. In 10 weeks, we produced 10 podcasts, 21 radio commercials, sought the expert advice from 31 thought leaders, filmed and edited several tech-in videos while undertaking a complete rebranding of Chatter That Matters. And there wasn't one minute where it felt like work. So to those owners, the Tracys and Pauls and Lisas and Joes and Christies and Carly, Jennifer, Ernesto, Francois and Sheena, thank you for letting me tell and share your story. You're my hero. And I know that Canada's future economy is certain if we let you and others who embody your creativity, resilience, your never-say-never attitude, and how you care for Canada, your community, your customers and employees, well, if we let that spirit soar. There's so many insights and ideas we've packed in this recap of Series 1. And I want you to know, we've only just begun. In our first episode, we meet up with Tracy Shepard. I did some background research on her. She's a well-respected and liked and highly successful executive. But she was willing to trade it all away to follow her passion and health and wellness. One day, uh, the idea of mobile meditation popped into my brain. And I kept thinking, how could I create an experience that was accessible, convenient, and easy to bring to people to improve their their own health and wellness um, on a regular basis. Tracy's idea is to create a mobile meditation studio, but with rock star flair. She test drives the idea with two of Canada's leading organizations. She gets a resounding thumbs up, and then she goes all in. She pours her savings into acquiring a modifying an Airstream trailer. To that I say, all right, all right, all right. Builds on her content and her website. She's going to drive this Airstream to companies everywhere. MLSE even invites her to bring it into Jurassic Park. And just as she starts the key, COVID hits. And the wheels fall off any hope of getting people inside a trailer to meditate. Does Tracy throw in the towel? I shifted gears with my digital marketing company, 44 North, and I asked them to launch uh, a a section of our guided meditations and with instructions on how to making it simple and easy to people, easy for people who have never done it before. And what I love about Tracy, she then turns her business inside out. She still brings out the Airstream to frontline healthcare workers and they sit in front of it and find that sort of meditation experience that those frontline people deserved. And Tracy's idea of turning her business inside out and bring it to frontline health workers while it garners national news attention. The Providence Healthcare Foundation, in conjunction with Meditation Works, arranged for physically distant meditation sessions for staff, offering 10 to 15 minute socially distanced meditations in the middle of the workday. I remember asking Tracy, you left an important job, a six figure paycheck. Do you have any regrets? Absolutely not. It's been um, a bit of a roller coaster ride. I believe in the end, you only regret the chances you don't take. 
You know what I admire most about Tracy Shepard is her positivity. It's powering meditation works to new heights. The second episode, we meet Paul Hembro. He kind of reminds me of Scotty in the Starship Enterprise. I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. If I push it any harder, the whole thing will blow. He's just this incredible operator. And his skills have taken him to senior management positions in pharmaceutical and privately held business. But he wants to move from being an operator to an owner. So Paul and his partner find private equity money to buy a legacy business that rents TV screens to patients who stay over the hospital. But this business is threatened as patients now bring in their own screens and connect to the hospital's Wi-Fi. What a perfect renovation project. Health Hub Solutions is born, and Paul wants to put the future of healthcare in the patient's hand, make him at the hub of everything that happens around him. It was an equipment company. Now we're a digital healthcare company. So immediately, we had to hire new staff, new personnel. We had to change the culture. It had to be one that was rooted in healthcare. The problem is that COVID hits and no one has time for the future. Everyone's just trying to survive the day. And Paul and his partner are quickly running out of time and cash. So ask Paul, through all of this, what kept you going? We know at the end there will be a rainbow in the sense that hospitals will have a new vision to what a connected patient means and means to healthcare. It's just that we have to be able to manage through this time, and whether it's a month, two months, three months. Here's a classic entrepreneurial move. Most would be playing defense, but Paul sees an opportunity and leaps at it. He says with COVID, patients are put into isolation. Why not turn their television sets into two-way communication centers so patients can connect and talk with their families? What I love about Paul is his determination. Destiny is often in the hands of the people most determined to realize it. You know, in each episode, I do a pre-call or an interview to see if their stories make sense for what we're after. When I talked to Lisa Taylor, I knew I had to be at the top of my game. She's super smart and focused, and she sees the future and acts upon it. When working at Hewlett-Packard at a fairly young age, she was managing over 100 people. But Lisa noticed that many of her employees, well, they felt okay about work, but most lacked a sense of purpose and pursuit. Their eyes weren't shining. There wasn't a skip to their step. And Lisa wanted to know how to change that. So she spent years imagining and researching and perfecting a business that could change how we feel about work. But while she's doing that, her career continued to soar. Finally, one day, her father gives her the final push to say it's now or never. Leave your promising career and go out and do it. So Lisa creates Challenge Factory. Her challenge, though, is her business is new. The concept is unknown. So it isn't easy to buy as it's about the future, not the past. We fit as an HR firm, but we don't do HR. We come from the discipline of career development, which is a lifelong intersection point of human human work, activity, identity, talent, and the labor market. So not quite HR. We offer individualized career management, exploration, and advancement services, but we're not an outplacement company. I asked Lisa what the biggest obstacle was. We're a firm that's focused on the future of work. We have very specific models and drivers that analyzes how we might be able to shape the future of work, but we're not a technology firm. And most future of work conversations start with the technology where we start with the humanity. 
And that makes it a real challenge for people to understand exactly what they get when they work with Challenge Factory. And then when COVID hits, here's a business that's on the move and is gaining momentum. It suddenly takes her back to her early days, the challenges she faces as a startup. Can I pay my people? All of those types of up in the middle of the night type of issues fall a little bit behind you into your past. And I do have to admit in the last couple of weeks, that actually has been something that has returned back again. And that, that is something that is not a great feeling. And what you'll learn in the episode is that Lisa not only embraces the future of work, she's asked to make talks and becomes a thought leader in the space. I just love her story because Lisa's an exceptional entrepreneur. She embodies this great line, it's not what happens to you, it's what you do about it. And she finds a way to continually to refine the future of work. And that's why the Challenge Factory is a company to watch. In episode four, we go to Newfoundland. We meet up with Joe O'Brien. I had dozens of people comment on how much they wanted to give Joe O'Brien a big bear hug after listening to his episode. He is the most human being and in the most positive and purest manner. Joe grew up in a little fishing village in Newfoundland. It's all his family knew. It's all previous generations did. One day, his uncle sat down with him and said, Joe, we're running out of cod. You have to find a new way to make a living. And our parents were telling us that the future didn't look bright in the fishery and that we probably should change our way of life. So what does Joe do with his brother? They borrow one of the fishing boats and use it to transport biologists to see seabirds. Joe then realizes that taking people out in a boat is a rewarding way to make a living. And he shifts biologists to tourists, knowing that just outside their door on this beautiful ocean, there's whales to watch and puffins to see. And all of what makes Newfoundlanders so special to experience. And over the next decades, Joe and his brother build a fleet of three boats. They open two restaurants, gift shops, and shuttle buses. But then COVID hits, and there's not a passenger in sight to get on his boats. Can he keep them afloat? Our hopes are that uh, eventually people will want to come back and, and see Newfoundland and Labrador, and uh, that will be op- still open for business. You know, since the episode aired, Joe's business has been featured on CBC, and he's just merged with his competitor, knowing that in this world, there are strengths in numbers. Joe, you get an R for resilience. In episode five, I was so moved by Christy Knoll's story. She had a fantastic career in consumer packaged goods, but she wanted to get closer to making decisions, so she left and became a consultant. Started working for a small food company. Became good friends with the founder, but that founder, well, she dies quite suddenly. Michelle Kotman uh, originally founded the company as Raw Foods, and uh, she passed away at 45 years old, and uh, it was incredibly tragic. It felt like the lights went out in the, in the company. Investors asked Christy to take over, and she has to choose to step into the founder's shoes. And while managing her grief, she knows she must rebrand the company or it won't survive. I asked her how she would feel about rebranding, renaming, and she was comfortable with it as long as we were clear and true to the proposition. So my job was to communicate that 
with the family. Mother Osborne and the legacy that found her mission of good on good is woven across every consumer, retail, and employee touchpoint. And Christie chooses to manufacture in Canada. And in just over a year, Mother Ra's in 5,000 locations, including Target in the USA and Walmart in Canada. Within the year that we launched Mother Ra, we have actually had uh, incredible success with distribution. So uh, within Canada, we are in about 60% of the total available distribution. Christy, I give you an L for leadership and preserving the legacy of the founder. previous life as a host, I've been very involved with Tech Manitoba and their incredible Disrupted Conference. So I reached out to them saying, do you have a business that I could talk about in my podcast series? They put forth several names. I mean, this is a, a mecca of the new economy in Canada. And I chose Hoot Reading, led by this very talented entrepreneur, Carly Schiller. You know, Carly spends five years with Sesame Street Labs in New York. She gets her master's in education at Harvard. And she chooses to return to Canada. She creates HootReading.com. Why? Carly knows that kids who love to read will spend a lifetime loving to learn. She comes up with this idea of combining technology with real teachers to give these young and impressionable kids that path to the future. Our vision for Hoot Reading has always been to give every child the opportunity to have one-on-one reading practice with real classroom teachers. But I, I challenge your business because there's so much online that's free. How does she communicate the value to prospective customers? That's one of our biggest challenges, especially now with so many people offering things for free. And the biggest challenge and something we try to get across in our marketing is that you're not buying an app or downloading an app. COVID creates unprecedented demand for Hoot Reading and with it the temptation to grow and to even diversify. But Carly stays true to her pursuit. I give Carly an L for love and learning her higher purpose. Kids who love to read will spend a lifetime loving to learn. In episode seven, we meet up with Jennifer Menard. Oh, she heads into 2020 and her stars are shining bright in both her life and her happiness. She's about to get married. Her business is delivering record results. She's expanding into the States and the Caribbean. Did I mention, though, she's in the business of staffing events? COVID shuts down the door on her entire business. Now we're we're on our own. I mean, we've been having uh, a great time staffing events across uh, the city first, and then we started expanding across Canada and the major cities. Uh, Things were rocking and rolling prior to COVID-19. You know, when doing this series, I found that much of what makes a great entrepreneur happens in her childhood, sometimes positive and other times negative. Jennifer openly shares her story about growing up in a broken home. My parents were divorced when I was seven. My mother was a registered nurse and ended up with a man who abused her. Uh, He was bipolar and almost killed her several times. Therefore, I ended up in a pretty chaotic environment filled with alcoholism, traumatic experiences, uh, people who were lost, essentially. Uh, So I spent a big part of my childhood trying to save my mother while trying to save myself at the same time. And of course, I wandered down several dark paths myself. Jennifer has resilience baked in her soul. She survived her past, but can she survive COVID? 
overnight, she shifts from staffing events to staffing frontline healthcare. We pivoted very quickly to staffing essential services. Uh, luckily, our experience and, and business model allows us to, to staff industry, any industry we want. Jennifer, there's three kinds of companies. Those that make things happen, those that watch what happens, and those that wonder what happened. You're one that will always make things happen. Before I get to the next entrepreneur, I want to take a moment to acknowledge the incredible support by RBC. They had only one ask, make this series about the small business owner and not us. And each and every time I reached out to them to to provide an expert or to give me some advice and positioning, they were there for me. Not just there for me, they're truly committed to supporting the Canadian economy and small business, and they speak with action. From their Points for Canada, which rewards consumers for dining and shopping at local businesses in July, to their exceptional report on five ways to help small business and so many other ways in between. They're doing their part and more to keep small business the heart of the Canadian economy beating strong. And speaking of heart, let's get back to our recap and the very passionate Ernesto Gomez. Here's another example of what happens when childhood defines who you are and helps you to create a lifetime of passion. Ernesto Gomez grows up in Mexico. What does he like to do as a child? He loves to be in the kitchen watching his grandma and mother cook. They encourage him to experiment. So when I was doing Chinese food, she would get me a bamboo steamer. You know? So she would kind of encourage it. And then by the time I was doing Italian food, she got me a passive machine. So that was really cool. Ernesto learned some hands-on, not watching TV or a YouTube channel. Cooking for me was something that really came from the heart. I mean, there's a whole generation that's been heavily influenced by, you know, TV, celebrity chefs. and I had no reference to any of that. I just was cooking. Ernesto becomes a young adult, builds a successful restaurant business in Mexico, calls it the School of Hard Knocks, continues to sharpen his skills by attending school, traveling and observing. All this leads him to Canada, where a coincidence leads him to meeting Victor, the owner of a small Lebanese restaurant called Nuba, and a partnership is formed. And together they build out four successful restaurants, build up their savings account, and even eye international expansion. On his way back from a trip to Europe, Ernesto knows he has to shut down his four restaurants due to COVID. But to make matters worse, the virus just doesn't attack his livelihood. It attacks Ernesto's life. The same night I came back from London, I started getting a fever and coughing. And then the next morning I woke up with extreme body pain. I started losing my energy. I couldn't even hold a conversation because I would lose my breath. Flat on his back for 12 days, fighting for every breath, Ernesto also fights for his restaurants and his employees' jobs. They take the money they would have spent on their expansion to build their own bespoke food delivery service. Whoa, man, 30%. That's simply not sustainable. And that was going to be our bread and butter. So we said, okay, listen, first and foremost, we need to do our own delivery platform. He doesn't stop there. He keeps reinventing. We created our meal kits. We basically did our hits and we made a vacuum pack versions of them and everything really nicely packed. And the response was incredible. Ernesto, an empresario 
with a capital E. In episode 9, we go to Montreal and meet up with Francois Thiriot. He grew up in a family where kids learned to earn their way forward. In the restaurant business, they learned customer service and the art of creating a positive experience. The importance of having customers that are loyal and happy. Francois embarks on a traditional career and realizes that he really wants the risk and reward of an entrepreneur. So he goes traveling to find their idea. One of the things that I realize is you see so many little shops here and there uh, that was giving you a custom-made suit for a fraction of uh, what it was out there. And what I, when I was in banking, you know, going uh, to, to shop for a suit was a painful experience. Uh, the suit never fit. Uh, and actually, myself, I, I never enjoy shopping. Here's where the experience of the restaurant comes through. Instead of selling a made-to-measure suit, they train their staff to sell in a moment that someone wants to own walking down the aisle, presenting in a boardroom, looking sharp for that first date. They combine this insight with a personality-led shopping experience and state-of-the-art technology. The result is a fabulous, fitted, and affordable made-to-measure fashion for men and a growing customer base. Their skills as entrepreneurs lead them from one store in Quebec City to expansion across Canada, the United States, and Mexico. Then COVID hits. Stores close and made-to-measure, with weddings canceled and meetings now held over Zoom, how can they survive? Well, Francois pivots the business from suits to masks. We saw the mask coming way before. So we start importing masks and now the mask business actually will save Sir Mazur. And today, they're changing up their merchandise, moving more of their business online and continuing to know that it's the moment, not the merchandise, that will define who they are. Francois, I give you O for opportunistic. Episode 10, we uh, traveled to Nova Scotia. Another classic tale of someone not happy with their full-time job and wanting to be an entrepreneur. On the weekends, Sheena starts selling her granola bars made with local ingredients and local production at farmer markets. They become a hit. We built up a really strong following here on the East Coast in those early days. So from the farmer's market into independent health food stores, cafes, that bridge into into mass grocery happened in 2016 for us when we started selling our real food bars into Sobeys Atlantic. What I loved about Sheena, she's a higher purpose than just profit. She supports local farmers, she employs people who have barriers to the mainstream workforce, and she makes them part of her culture and company. We were connected with this incredible social enterprise here in Nova Scotia uh, called the Flower Cart Group, and it's an organization that employs folks with barriers to the mainstream workforce in this baking program. So I went down and trained their little team on how to make our real food bars. COVID hits, the government deems her workforce to be high risk and puts them into immediate isolation. Sheena is faced with no workers and a ton of orders to fill. And what does she do? What any great entrepreneur would. She gets at it. My husband and I <laughs> were traveling down and baking bars ourselves and our employee, Christine, who as our director of sales, she was traveling down and doing packaging and it was just crazy. If that isn't enough to earn your admiration, Sheena is also a certified B Corp to reflect a new kind of business that balances purpose and profit. They're legally required to consider the impact of the decisions on their workers, customers, suppliers, community, and the environment. Sheena is part of a community of leaders driving a global movement of people 
using business as a force for good. Sheena, I give you a standing ovation for getting it done and a job well done. I've been an entrepreneur all my life. I built two advertising agencies. I co-founded a research firm. In the last six years, I've had the great fortune to travel the world speaking and hosting conferences. All have brought me such great intellectual, emotional, and financial reward. But none has brought me the same sense of purpose as I now feel bringing to life the stories of small business heroes. I can't wait to tell the next story and the next story, and one after that, that people will find a way regardless of the odds. Of course, there's failures, and with COVID, there'll be many, many more. But what I found is entrepreneurs find a way to get back up on the horse to ride again. They don't just find opportunity, they create it. And in doing so, they create our economy and our jobs. And what we learned in series one, they inspire not only their children and their employees, they inspire all of us to make our destiny a matter of choice, not chance. We'll see you in series two. To find details on how RBC supports its business clients, visit rbc.com slash business. You've been listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with Tony on Twitter at Tony Chapman, through LinkedIn at Tony Chapman Reactions, or visit his website, TonyChapmanReactions.com. Chatter That Matters is produced by Tony Chapman Reactions and Eye Contact Productions.